hello once again and welcome to the Foundry Church podcast. My name is Joseph. I am the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. This past Sunday was Easter. It's this big, joyful, awesome celebration of the resurrection of Jesus and sort of the the culmination of uh, this Easter season and the culmination of of all of this preparation and anticipation and and looking forward and that sort of thing. Uh, So I won't waste any time. We'll get right to it. This is the finale message from our Easter series this year called The Escaping Goat, and this is the Easter 2023 sermon from our pastor, Seth Kane. Hope you enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to the Foundry. I'm so very glad you're here, whether you're joining us in person or online. My name is Seth, and it's Easter. Yeah, yeah, it's a good crowd. It's a good crowd. It's so, it's so nice. Um, if you've never been here before, or if like this is kind of new to you, or if you like are here but like haven't been in person in a while, you notice like the abundance of children. Kids, if you're here, can you let me know? Can I hear the kids? Are the kids here? Okay, so you're not gonna cheer when I give you the chance, but you're gonna talk the whole service. Is that? Is that what I'm hearing right now? So we started doing this thing this year called Fifth Sunday. We're on the Fifth Sunday. We invite our students and our kids to come celebrate worship with us uh, to create this multi-generational like Sunday type of experience. And so uh, it's very beneficial for them, for us, for everybody. And uh, it, it uh, is going to be a little different, not just because of Easter, but because of the kids. And if you were here last time, you know that we did stuff a little bit different. So if you're new here, if it's your first time, or if you haven't been here in a while, today's a little bit different. It's going to be okay. It's going to be, in fact, I think it's going to be, it's going to be better okay. I think it's going to be awesome. So whether you're a student, whether you're a kid, whether you're a kid at heart, I'm glad you're here and it's going to be great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what, here's how I want to start this today. Okay. Um, I, I want to start with a would you rather question. Okay. Would you rather A, Sit quietly and listen to me talk. <laughs> or <laughs> you can't say B before I give the option. <laughs> or B, see a magic trick. Well, hold on. You don't even know what I would say, and I find that a bit hurtful. <laughs> it's Easter. And you guys are, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll start with the magic trick. I'm going to ask my lovely assistant, uh, I've asked somebody to come help me, my daughter, Miss Ella Rose, if you could please make it ready. Give a round of applause, a round of applause. Okay, Ella, come up here, and I, I need you to help me uh, grab this table real quick, and we're going to set this on stage. Okay, let's go this way. No, keep going, keep going. We'll lift it around, we'll lift it around. Okay, uh, actually, you know what, let's set this down. We're not going to put, just have a seat here for now. I'm still kind of... Just go ahead and sit there. I kind of, I still, my feelings still kind of hurt. So maybe before we get to the magic trick, we can like compromise and I'll do a little bit of talking and then we'll come back to the magic trick. Is that okay? I'm on the stage. I have the power here. I'm not bending some snot-nosed kids. So glad everybody's here today. Welcome to Easter. Okay, so... 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about resurrection. This is what we celebrated Easter. This is what I love to talk about, resurrection. It's one of my favorite, favorite things. So watch what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. First importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Okay, if you skip down towards the, a little bit further, Paul goes on to say this, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, like this whole thing is a bit pointless, isn't it? Your faith is, is futile. If Christ has not been raised, then Jesus is essentially just like any other human being to have ever walked the earth. I mean, he might have been kinder and more loving in general than we are, but like he's, he ends up sharing the same fate as we all do. And if he shares the same fate as we all do, then ultimately nothing has really changed. So resurrection is super important to us, and it's super important for us. This is what gives us hope. This is what, that, that God through the Son has defeated sin and death, and because of this, we are able to experience freedom and forgiveness and resurrection and new life. This is what we celebrate at Easter, right? Okay, now who's ready for the magic trick? Okay, Elle, you ready? Can you grab? Actually, you know what? Um, before we get to that, I, I want to show you one more thing, like leading, are you okay? Did I get you? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, before we get to that, I, I want to show you one more thing leading up to the resurrection that, that if you've never heard this to me is, is really, really important. It's really kind of hopeful, even though it doesn't seem like it's super hopeful. Okay. So here's what I want to show you. Uh, let's go with Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, we've gone through the, the, the passion of the Christ the week. Jesus has been betrayed by uh, Judas. He is falsely arrested, falsely accused, falsely put on trial, and then falsely sentenced to death on the cross. By the way, if you don't know this, the cross is intentionally designed to be a, a punishment device, a torture device. Like, the Romans were very clear about this. They wanted whoever they put on the cross to, like, for it to be, like, excruciating pain for the person. Now, one of the last things that's recorded that Jesus said, not the last thing, one of the last things that Jesus says on the cross before he dies is really interesting. And if you've never heard this and seen like how this plays out, I want to show you because this is cool. Uh, Matthew chapter 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, we often read this, and we have this understanding like, oh, this is how Jesus must have felt on the cross, how he's feeling in this moment. He feels like he's been abandoned. Here he is enduring this incredible amount of pain, and the crowds are angry with him. The disciples have abandoned him. And at this point, like, it feels as though God might have abandoned him. And so he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, yeah, I get that, Right? Maybe you understand that. You could sense that pain that he's going through, and he's crying out to God, like, where are you in this moment? Now, there is another way to look at and understand that passage, that phrasing, the thing that Jesus says, one of the last things he says before he dies, okay? Um, Jesus was a rabbi. I know it's weird to remember that sometimes. He was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. He wasn't white. He wasn't Christian. He wasn't American. He was a Jewish rabbi. One of the things that the Jewish rabbis would do on occasion when they were either teaching or, or like having a debate with other rabbis is that sometimes 
they would try to refer to a particular passage of scripture, but instead of referring to the entirety of a, of a long section of, of, of the text, they would just say like a line or two. They would just say a couple lines, and then the people who were listening would automatically know, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Like, for example, if I were to say to you, like, um, our Father who art in heaven, right? Most of you, I assume, would know, like, at least some of that, especially if you have a Catholic upbringing. Seth says, our Father who art in heaven, you would say, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, the will be done on earth as it is in heaven, forgive us this day, give us this day, our daily bread, forgive us our trust, and you would go through the whole thing, Right? That's kind of the thing that's happening here. This is kind of the thing that Jesus is doing in this situation. Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he's not just saying, I believe that God is forsaking me. He, he's actually trying to call to mind in the, in, the, in the hearer's, in the observer's mind, a particular passage, a particular portion of the passage that they would have been familiar with. Okay, so it, it's a bit bigger than the idea that Jesus just feels like he's abandoned. It's actually... It's actually a message of hope when you look at it. Okay, look at Psalms 22. This is what he's quoting, Psalms 22. This is the line that that he's starting with. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Exactly what he says. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. So when he says this, he's saying this one little line, but he's actually speaking like this much larger sort of thing. He's trying to get them to see, like, uh, there's something more that's, that's happening. There's something more going on than, than what you may think. If you skip down to the next line, what you see is this line that Jesus uses that seems a bit full of anguish and crying out and tears and pain and suffering. Watch what it says. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, you are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. So the author starts out, the psalmist starts out with this line, a couple lines about abandonment and anguish and pain. But then the passage turned, and it goes in a different direction. It says, our ancestors like, reached out to you. They cried out to you, and you saved them. They trusted you in the, in, in the middle of their pain and, and what they went through, and you rescued and redeemed them. So what seems to begin as a message of pain and despair and anguish and agony and feeling abandoned is actually a message that's quite hopeful. It's filled with rescue and redemption and deliverance. Now, if you get all the way to the end of that chapter, what you see happens is there's this pattern. There's this pattern of crying out. There's pain. There's suffering. There's crying out. And then there is this reminder of hope. There's this reminder of rescue. And this pattern repeats itself over and over again throughout this passage. When you get to the very end of chapter 22, it says this. Posterity will serve him. Posterity is a big word that means like all future generations. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. So in Psalms 22, there is this pattern that gets repeated several times about the people crying out to God in their pain and then God rescuing. And it ends because God has heard the cry and rescued. It ends with this idea that God will be celebrated, not just in our generation, but in future generations. This thing will be passed on. This thing will be passed down from generation to generation. He has done it. And what has God done? God has rescued them from the hurt and the pain. 
So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not just talking about this feeling of being abandoned in that moment. He's trying to get the people to recall this particular passage that is a message of hope that they would have been familiar with, that they might have since forgotten. He's letting them know that even though it seems like a really dark time, even though it may seem like everything's been taken from you, even though it may seem like, like everything that you believed is, worth out, is, is not really worth anything, it's like Jesus saying in that moment, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because God's, God's got this. God's got it covered. You don't have to worry about it. And how does God have it covered? Resurrection. Resurrection, resurrection. Okay, now, who's ready for a magic trick? Okay, okay, fine. Sheesh, get off my back. I think I've been, like, torturing you or something. Okay, so let's grab this edge here, El. Let's lift this up. And so what we're going to do is my lovely assistant here and myself, we're going here, fold this, watch this. Let's, let's do an unveiling. There we go. There we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you not impressed? Okay. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do like a retelling of the, the, the story of death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. And so I'm going to like kind of talk through it. We're going to look at some scriptures, but then Ella is going to be like my assistant and she's, she's going to be the one that's like helping to perform this whole thing, okay? So on this table, if you can see, I know uh, it's kind of a weird angle, but there's like five different envelopes here that represent all different things. And then uh, there is this thing here. Go ahead and hold that up, Ella. This is a metal. Okay, hold it up good. Okay, uh, let's see, let's see. Put it out here into the light. Okay, now put it on display. Yeah, this is a medal I got for a race. Yeah. That, that's all. It wasn't about the, there's nothing to do with the trick. I just wanted you to know that I got a medal one time for doing something. So th this is a medal I got for a race in Gainesville last year. Uh, so this is, should be fairly easily identifiable. You, you're the assistant. Hold that up. Hold it up. Okay, and so we're going to have this medal represent, we're going to call this the Jesus medal. So this medal will represent Jesus in, in, our, in our little thing here, okay? So this is Jesus. Um, now, when Jesus is on the cross, he, he says a few things towards the end. He says, hold up the, hold up the medal. He says, Father, forgive them. <laughs> they know not what they're doing. And then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, in, like, one of the very last things he says is, um, like, uh, it, it is finished. The word in Greek is tetelestai, which means it's complete. He says it is finished. And then it says he gave up his spirit. After he gives up his spirit, the next part is like, there's this guy named Joseph of Arimathea, and Joseph of Arimathea comes, and he, he goes to the Roman Emperor Pilate, and he says, hey, can we have permission to take down the body of Jesus and to give him a proper burial? So Pilate says, yes, absolutely, okay? So let's see here, uh, Matthew chapter, what's the next scripture? I don't know where I'm at, what's the next scripture? Matthew chapter 27, verse 59. Okay, we're back on track. Uh, it says, Joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Okay, so this first envelope here, go ahead and hold that up, is, is going to represent the clean linen. It has words on it for them to read. There you go. Okay, uh, clean linen cloth. So this first envelope is going to represent the clean linen cloth. Go ahead and put Jesus in the Jesus medal. And this isn't actually Jesus, just so we're clear. Not Jesus. It's a medal. The Jesus medal is in the linen. Okay, let's go to the next verse, verse 60. It carries on, put him in a clean cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. Pause there. So grab the second envelope. What does it say on it? Hold it up. Tomb. Okay, so now put Jesus in the linen into the 
tomb. Okay, we finished this verse here. It says, he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and he went away. Actually, can you make sure you seal those? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just a little dab, because we want to make sure that Jesus is in there good and tight, and we want to make sure that there's no way that Jesus can get out of the tomb. Okay, come on. We've got to speed this up. There, we're we're going to lose the audience. There's seven. <laughs> okay. All right, now, get the, okay, now he put the stone in front of it. Put, it. put the stone in front of it. This envelope represents the stone. Now Jesus is going to go behind the stone. Okay, but yeah, look, make sure you look it. Okay. All right. Now, uh, we get to the very, uh, we get it a little bit further in the story. Matthew, you, you okay? It's nasty. It's nasty? <laughs> this is, I didn't give her a mic like I did the other kids. I learned my lesson. No mics. Matthew 27, uh, verse 62 says this. The next day, the one after, after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, notice they called Jesus the deceiver, which is, I think, really interesting. Uh, after three days, I will rise again. So give the orders for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So the last envelope will represent the guard. Go ahead and place that in there. Very good. You're such a good assistant. This is the best you've listened all week. So <laughs> we have our Jesus medal wrapped in linen that is then placed in the tomb that is then sealed behind the stone that then is being guarded by a guard. Okay, now... Um, at this point, if you're the religious leaders, if you're the government too, like, you feel like you've got him. <laughs> He's trapped. He can't get out. There's no possible way. We finally did Jesus in. Okay, now watch what happens. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. First it says there was a violent... Oh, oh, huh. we forgot an important part. Ella, if you would, please place the envelope... Stand that up. In the magic envelope of destiny. Yeah, okay, now you, you have to hold it up so that they can see. Look, see, it says, ma that, that's how you know. I'm sure you sensed it in advance that it was a bit magical up here. Now you know for real. Okay, you got to face the camera. Okay, you can see that? Good job. Okay, so it says uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, there was a, a violent earthquake. So Ella, give us a violent earthquake, right? <laughs> Yeah, but really, like, shake the, the heck out of it. The, okay, good job. Okay. Uh, now, uh, now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, it says there was a violent earthquake, and now I'm going to need, like, your guys' help. I need all the kids and kids at heart. Go ahead and set that down. We have uh, Ella's magic wand here. Hold that up. Really good. Okay. So, uh, on the count of three, I'd like you to all join me in saying the magic word, which will be Alakazam, and then we'll see maybe what happens. Are you ready? One, two, three. Okay, now let me check something real quick. Actually, I don't think it worked. I, don't, I think maybe we need a better word. I think we need like a word more power, you know what I'm saying? Like more than just like little magic. Let, let's try like, let's try hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God. There's always power and praise in praise the name of God, right? So let's try hallelujah. Can we do that on the count of three? One, two, three. Okay, surely something has had to have happened in this moment. Now, uh, let's go ahead and open, begin to open the package, if you don't mind, please. 
edge of our seats. We're just, okay, do you got it? Are you ready? Okay. You'll never guess what happens next. <laughs> it's funny talking about a story that we all know where it's going, but you'll never guess what happens next. Okay, so watch this. Matthew chapter 28 says, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Okay, so Ella, uh, go ahead and, and pull out our envelope. Go ahead and pull out our storyline here. Yeah, okay. So it says an angel from heaven came down, and, and the guards were like terrified that they became like dead men. So let's get rid of the guards. They're out of, out of the equation. Yeah, just, just rip it open. Just we, just we got places to go. Okay, rip it open. And then it says that he rolled the stone away. Go ahead and yeah, just rip that open, rip that open. And then as he rolls the stone away, what's inside the stone? There is, of course, the, the tomb that is now there that we're staring into. And what's inside the tomb? There is the linen that is surrounding Jesus there is the linen that is surrounding Jesus. Okay, now hold it up. And what is in the linen that is surrounding Jesus? Open up, hold it up high. Uh, anticlimactic. Ah! Hey, look. Hold it, look. Nothing in it. Nothing in it. There's nothing in it. Why? Because he is risen. He is alive. In fact, these two women come to the tomb, and the the angel that was there tells them this. Look at what the angel says. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Jesus has been raised, and in doing so has overcome sin, has overcome death, has uh, offers to us, extends to us the gift of eternal life. Right? This is what we're talking about when we're talking about resurrection. <laughs> resurrection is important. I, I love resurrection. I love all of this kind of stuff. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He comes back. He comes back. Now, we're not quite done yet. Because after this moment, there's a, there's a moment in Luke where it's like the same day that this whole thing happened. There's this whole story. Look at this. Okay, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So after Jesus rises from the dead, he shows up with his two disciples. Two disciples taking a trip to Emmaus, but they haven't heard the good news, so they're just sad because all they know is that the guy that they were following is now dead. But Jesus shows up, and they have this discussion. They don't even realize it's Jesus. In fact, later, Paul, uh, Luke tells us that one of the people that was there that he was talking to was a, was a person by the name of Cleopas was a person by the name of Cleopas. So I, I guess my question for us is like, is anybody in here named Cleopas? <laughs> no? Okay, let me see if I can find somebody who looks like a bit of a Cleopas and just see. <laughs> oh, you kind of look Cleopasy. <laughs> is that a word? Is that a... <laughs> oh, no, not so much. Ella, do you see anybody? Oh, they don't really look Cleopasy either. They don't, let's, I think, I think somebody right back here. Hold on, do you see them? Come here, let's see. It's got to be, not so much over here. 
No, it's it Paul? It's not Paul. Let's see here. Do you think he looks like a Cleopas? Do you think so? I don't really see it as much. But I guess if she says that, I get, uh, what's your name? Sebastian. Sebastian? Okay, Cleopas. Um, <laughs> just for fun, could you like, is there anything under your seat? Like un- under your seat right there? No, like look down there. Like, yeah, like, is there anything? What, what, can you, can you? What, what, well, pull it out. Let me, what? Hold it up. Hold it up. It's the Jesus medal. Stand up. Stand up. Stand on the seat. Stand on the seat. Hold it up high. Show everybody. Hey. Look, how did that even happen? It's a miracle. It's like a miracle of Jesus. Okay, give me my medal back. Okay. I'm going to try to steal my medal. Jesus medal. Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my medal. Hey, everybody give Ella Rose a round of applause if you don't mind. This is the thing, isn't it? Resurrection. Resurrection. Jesus shows up and he's spending time with his disciples. They don't even realize it. Jesus was with Sebastian the whole time. He didn't even realize it. He was right there with him. This is what we celebrate. Paul says in the book of Romans again, that if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But Jesus has been raised. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. He offers us forgiveness and healing and grace and eternal life. And this is resurrection. And what I love about resurrection is that what to me is super, super cool about it is not just that it happened, but that it continues to happen. It is something that is happening. In fact, we live in a world that is reminding us of resurrection all over the place, all the time. There, there's no escaping this, this pattern, this reality of resurrection. Think about it, kids. What happens every night when you go to bed? You go to sleep. You have these awesome dreams. And then what do you do? You come back to life the next morning. For a little bit, you're gone. You're out. You're having your dreams. But then all of a sudden, you're back to life. This is a picture of resurrection. Think about what happens every evening. From our perspective, the sun goes down over the horizon, down behind the horizon in the west, right? And it gets dark outside, and we can't see anything. But what happens? happens the very next morning, up from the horizon of the east, out of the darkness comes the sun, this new light, this new life, this new day. It's a picture of resurrection. Jesus is showing this stuff is like everywhere so that we can continually be reminded of the freedom and forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus has come to offer us. Even if you think about uh, like nature, we see uh, resurrection all throughout nature. Think about the seasons. We go from spring to summer to winter, or to fall to winter. I'll get it right one day after I graduate. Uh, and then what happens? We come back to spring. In spring, there is new leaf and things are starting to grow. In summer, there's the fullness of the plants and the trees. You get into winter, what happens? The leaves fall and then you get into the death of, of sorry, fall, then the death of winter. And it's all brown and gross and weird and ugly. And then you get into spring and all of a sudden there's new life again. We get to see that right now, aren't we? We're seeing all the new life, all the growth of all the plants. This is in nature. Think about with the animals. We talked about a whole series where we talked about butterflies. What does the, what does the caterpillar do? It goes into the chrysalis where it literally dissolves itself into this ooze and then rebuilds itself. Then this new 
newly formed butterfly breaks forth from the tomb of the chrysalis to become the fullness of itself where it gets to go and pollinate the things around it. Think about like a bear. What does the bear do? The bear eats spring, summer, like eats, 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 eats. And then you get into like fall and winter and it like finds a cave, digs a hole, whatever. And it goes into hibernation for several months and then it comes out and it's like a brand new day. It's a whole new thing. It's this picture of resurrection. It's, it's everywhere. It's all around us, and it's continually inviting us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It, this stuff is everywhere in our everyday. It's this ongoing reminder, this incredible invitation to participate in this example that has been set in these patterns throughout the universe. It's an invitation for us to participate in the example that has been set by Jesus who defeated sin and death and on the third day was raised to new life. The beauty of the resurrection is that this is where the life is. This is where new life begins and this is where we place our hope yeah, like even, even if you think about the practices found within, within the Bible, the things that Jesus invites us to, to, to be a part of, even the practices within the Bible point to this idea of death and resurrection. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Right? You are invited to follow Jesus, to take up the cross. Taking up the cross isn't just about carrying some sort of like burden upon yourself. Taking up the cross is the invitation to die to the self. And the reason we die to the self is so that we can experience and participate in resurrection and the new life that follows with it. Even the practice of baptism speaks to re- resurrection. Romans chapter 6, Paul says this, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, right? We're invited to follow Jesus and part of that invitation is to follow the example that Jesus has set through his baptism, that we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that he is in fact the one we are following and we participate in this ritual in which we are taken under the water that symbolizes our death and then we are raised back up out of that water which symbolizes our resurrection and our new life. The whole thing is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection, so that as we align ourselves with the death of Jesus, we are also aligning ourselves with the resurrection and the thing that follows, right? And you know what's really awesome about today? Not, like, not just that it's Easter, but that we have one of our new families that has decided that they are ready to participate in resurrection. They've decided that they are ready to be buried in the waters of baptism so that they can be raised up to new life. This family is super excited, and they've asked, yeah, They've asked our, our worship, our, our worship, our uh, family life minister, Hunter Mertz, to do the baptism. So I'm going to turn it over to him. You're going to get to see resurrection on resurrection, and it's going to be awesome. Take a look. Hello. We are so excited for this moment. We have two of our members who are wanting to be baptized uh, to step into this recognition of resurrection and new life. Uh, So I have a question to ask you. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and open your life to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit?
But wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you the same question as you said. Are you ready to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and open your life to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, what, what an absolutely incredible blessing, a picture of everything that we're talking about. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Easter is about the opposite of all of that. Easter is about celebrating the reality that Christ has been raised. And because there is resurrection, we get to experience the new life that follows. Can I get an amen? Well, we hope and pray that that message was a blessing to you and that this entire Easter season, this period of preparation and anticipation uh, has also been a blessing to you. Um, we are starting a new series uh, next week uh, that I think will be one that will be a very memorable one and one that will have a lot of value uh, in our lives, getting to know ourselves and getting to know um, kind of how we interact with others and also learning a lot more about uh, the nature and the character of God. Uh, so that's just a little bit of a teaser. Hopefully bring you back for next time. For now, though, that will do it for this episode of the Foundry Church Podcast. I'm Joseph, and we'll see you next time.